Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I love it. I love it. It's the pre-match spine for the big super gateway title fight. Eh? Okay, Oliver, wipe away the pre-cum. You've got some work to get on with. Uh, yeah, Malcolm. Um, what? The Nicola thing, I think, is getting a bit worse. It looks like her daughter's about to be excluded for bullying. Yeah, I know. Glenn told me that. What? When did... Yeah, the thing that's all going to do is we try and keep this info very, very closely contained. We'll be all right, yeah? Okay. Okay? Okay. There you go. Okay, shite head revisited. Did you know that Nicola Murray's daughter's about to be expelled from school for fucking bullying? What are you doing? No. Don't worry. Did you not know that? No, why would I? Because I... you wouldn't know that now, because the only people who know that right now are Mrs. Murray, her daughter, Ollie and me, yeah. If this gets into the press, I would know that it came from you. Clever. <laughs> and I would rain down upon you so hard that you'd have to be reassembled by fucking air crash investigators. Do well, not fucking not... interrupt me, son, ever. Now, get this into the noggin, right? You breathe a word of this to anyone, you mincing fucking cunt! And I will tear your fucking skin off. I will wear it to your mother's birthday party and I will rub your nuts up and down her leg whilst whistling Bohemian fucking Rhapsody, right? Yeah. No. Get out of my fucking sight. Yeah. Welcome to Free Stage, everybody. I'm, Joe's pointed out that I say the same thing every week started with the same thing but that yeah. is because and you always thank me at the end <laughs> like, you, started, you, started, you started editing out the thank you I was like that's how I was brought up I'm just as God made me sir yeah. um, you've got a you've got a skip in your step uh, this I do well do you know what I this is I'm living as dangerously as I ever do these days I've had a coffee at eight o'clock in the evening that's, that's as wild as it gets for me so I'm hepped up and go to bed at nine o'clock well then I won't be like I'll be Not Jesus tonight. Christ you could, be, could, could be eleven thirty. Yeah. Maybe 11. But uh, yeah, I do the same intro every week. But that's because, as you and my wife have pointed out, I have uh, humanoid uh, characteristics. Yeah, I said once to Dion that the best way to describe him was he was like a humanoid who'd just been taken out of his box that morning. <laughs> and his wife said, that's absolutely, that's so accurate. But I, I apologize for that. It was hurtful. And <laughs> Did you see the? Did you see about? <laughs> did you see the story about the pilot in in uh, America who was um, on an Alaska Airlines no flight, and uh, so he was, you know, like uh, Leo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can. You know, he was riding in the extra seat in the cockpit. And uh, from Washington State to California, and he then tried to crash the plane. Unaccountably, okay. he just he 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 had an episode, and then he tried to open the emergency door and jump out, <laughs> like like uh, Father Jack, you know, in that famous episode of Father Ted, where he stole the two parachutes and, and used one for the booze. <laughs> and uh, it turned out they they, in spite of this madness going on that they, they were able to land the plane just about and it turned out that uh, he had taken magic mushrooms <laughs> two, two, two days before the flight <laughs> and, and he's now been charged with the critters be charged with 80, 83 counts of attempted murder because that was the number of people on the plane Christ. and uh and then he seemed I wonder seemed, what is his like you know in-flight announcements were like I wonder if there was any towels in that. You I, know, I, myself we're, and the, we're cruising at 
you know, 88,000. What, 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 what would you have said that would have betrayed the fact <laughs> that he was hallucinating? Well, he, you know, he's been attacked by the, he's been attacked by the, the steering wheel type of thing. Or the, I mean, once myself and the glamorous brunette went to Holland, right. Amsterdam, and we were in, you know, one of those head shops, and you know, they were advertising mushrooms. We said, oh, gosh, you know, so do you think? Oh, damn, not take this. He says, oh, you know, you take some. Oh, yeah. So he said, oh, sir, have you ever taken uh, magic mushrooms before? He said, no, you look about uh, six foot. He said, and um, have you eaten, eaten anything recently? And they went through a whole checklist, you see, and they said, oh, here's an information sheet, sir. You see, and you read through them, and she's like, Frank, me. Sort of sober, and you look at the instruction manual, and you look at the possible side effects and all that. He said, I recommend to you these very mild, uh, these very mild magic mushrooms, very pleasant, and you'll laugh a lot. He says, Please, but you, you know, don't don't take any water or anything with it. You know, just have the mushrooms, and if you feel that things are going off track, eat eat or drink something immediately, and that, that's the end of it. You see. <laughs> so <laughs> she said, "I'll oh, just take you know fuel." <laughs> so and he'll say, "I had the whole bag." You know? So he's just like, well, you know, if I but it's nothing happening, you know, I'd be it wouldn't be renowned for my patience. Hello, got better. So waiting for juries and stuff for days. So anyway. I took more and then I faced the bag and everything was, you know, the glamorous brunette said to me, you know, just, nothing happened there at all. Mm-hmm. She asked, you know, maybe it's, they're just too mad. Oh my God, the next thing. Well, hello. <laughs> well, hello. Hello, Amsterdam. Hello, uh, hello world. <laughs> hello world. Uh, we, well, the, the carpet in the hotel started to come towards me in waves. Jesus. I mean waves. It was fascinating. So I rang down to the, you know, like about the fifth floor, I rang down to reception. <laughs> don't, don't ring anybody. You're just, you're just, you know, you're just getting hallucinations. I said, oh, no, no, let me ring. Please, don't, don't worry, but this is unbelievable. I said, my good man, ring, ring, my good man. I have to report that the carpet is lapping at the foot of our bed. You may need to send a rescue boat. He said. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously get these calls all the time. So, well, sure, we shall certainly take that under advisement. And if the situation worsens, you bring us back and we shall certainly send, uh, we shall certainly send some emergency rescue uh, boats. boats right? <laughs> <laughs> and were you happy with that? You felt the we, issue had been resolved? So she was so jealous at how I reacted. I had an ecstatic five hours. Right. I mean, it was, it was ecstatic. And it doesn't put any pressure on your heart. All it does is tweak your brain. Mm. So the next night, we both had them. And we went out into the street in Amsterdam and walked. I mean, it was incredible. The cathedral came alive. Mm. The statues in the cathedral came alive. It was like, a, you know, those special effects children's movies. Yeah. A night in the museum. <clears throat> we met Eminem's mother. Really? Yeah, who was black. Right. But we convinced ourselves that it was Mrs. Eminem. Okay. We had a long conversation with her. She tried to escape. (laughs) She tried to escape. I know how she feels. And, and, but the thing about it was, it was the laughter. We laughed Mm. and laughed and laughed. And I mean, you don't have a hangover. You sleep so soundly. woke up in such peace the next morning. And I'm not at all surprised to know that in many countries now, they're doing a lot of experimental studies on the beneficial effects on stress, depression, manic depression of magic mushrooms. Yeah, you know. So, so unless unless you're about to pilot a plane, <laughs> <laughs> important uh, important waiver at the end. Do not do not take magic mushrooms if you're about to pilot a plane across the Atlantic. <laughs> He said, he said, he said when he was in court, he said probably the most superfluous sentence of all time to the judge. He said, uh, I'm so sorry, you know, and I'm so disappointed. He said, they probably won't let me fly a plane again. <laughs> <laughs> you think? You think, brother? Oh, the poor fella. I know, I feel I more, 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 more sorry for his, his, uh, his, his passengers, but... Um, but you know you have to feel so. That's that's a quite a sad statement there at the end. You know, yeah. probably. I think you, know, you could probably remove the probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took, it took them two days, two days beforehand. But I mean, obviously, see the thing about Amsterdam, 
is that things are very well regulated. Mm. They tell you, look, you know, go to the nearest police officer or anything. If you feel distressed, if you've taken anything, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I think that that's more liable to put people off. To say, you know, anything harder than that. You look at the checklist of side effects and you think, hmm, it's not for me. Yeah. Now, I w- will say we did take, we did share a space gig. Did you? Well, hello, that one too. Really? Yeah. What happened there? Well, what happened there was that all of a sudden, after about 45 minutes, I had two glamorous brunettes. <laughs> it was my first ever threesome. Right. It was my, it was my wife and her twin. But, but her, the, my wife and her identical twin. Well, and everything was moving, you know, over your shoulder. You felt that you felt that you were walking. That's how I got it. I felt that I was walking behind myself, up my shoulder. And it was such a terrific sensation, you know, because you were conscious that it wasn't real, but it appeared so real. See, that's a good result for you, that there were two glamorous brunettes. What we really need to make sure didn't happen was that the glamorous brunette didn't have two Joe Rallies. Because that, nobody would, nobody would, would welcome that. Yes, I'll be, I'll be in trouble now after that confession to a threesome. <laughs> well, you know, it was, yeah, I was going to say, you kept it. The, um, meanwhile, 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 as society around us continues to fall apart. I mean, today, I have to say, I thought it was a, a, a mock-up. I thought Dr. Harold News had mocked up the photograph of Michael Martin wearing uh, an Israeli Defence Forces flag jacket, mm. pointing at a small hole in the roof of the ceiling of a house that looked like a show house, and it looked as though the electrician had finished up early and was going to come back and finish the job tomorrow. Mm. And I just thought, you know... The world has become such an untrue place. Mm. And, you know, things that we see and perceive and know to be true, we're told. It's a bit like Gabor Mate, you know, the, the, the famous sort of Holocaust survivor and intellectual said, you know, that he was talking about the, the, the Israelis and the Defence Force. He said, like, you know, they, their lies are so grotesque that not even the opposite is true. Yeah. And... You know, it, it 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 was something that was in my mind when I was watching, when I've been watching, you know, the COVID inquiry, mm. Dominic Cummins, like, I mean, Dominic Cummins, a real-life Malcolm Tucker, like, you know, and looking at just how degenerate and sleazy and grifting English politics has become and how infiltrated with the money of lobbyists, it's happening in Ireland too. Um, we see that sort of disintegration of honesty in America. And it is very, very worrying. Don't you think? I do. Th- I, Suella Braverman, for example, but we'll come to calling th- peace marches hate marches. We'll come, we'll come to, we'll come to, and, we'll come to uh, Suella Braverman. Uh, they encourage, inc- sorry, go ahead. No, but I, I think the, the COVID inquiry <laughs> to be fair, this helps. No, it's, it's, it's exactly it's, like the thick of it. You called ministers useless fuckpigs, morons, cunts. Do you think you contributed to a lack of effectiveness on the part of ministers? No, I think I was reflecting a widespread view. He's back to Jaws mode, wank. Cabinet office is terrifyingly shit. You're happy to have useless fuckpigs in charge. I also must stress, I think, leaving Hancock in post is a big mistake. We face going into autumn crisis with the cunt still in charge of the NHS, we'll be back around that cabinet table with him and Stevens bullshitting again in September. If you yeah. d- if you didn't know, it was a bit like the first time I turned on, aha, you know, the Alapartis chat mm. show. I watched in, you know, transfixed, in a sort of a bemused horror. Oh my God, I cannot believe this guy's got his own chat show. Because I didn't realise well, I didn't realise it was it was a comedy program. My brother always says, and I, I think you might say it's somebody else's line. I saw somebody else tweeting it during the COVID inquiry that the only difference between the thick of it and UK politics that in the thick of it in that in the thick of it people don't walk around saying, My God, this is just like the thick of it. Because it's uh it's extraordinary. Like when you're when you're when <laughs> when you're reading uh, or when you're hearing that Boris Johnson, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, inject himself with the virus to prove uh, <laughs> how how uh, there, how there was nothing to fear. 
You might not have heard of Lord Udney Lister, who appeared at the COVID inquiry today. But Eddie Lister was at Boris Johnson's side from the moment he became Tory leader. He is a Johnson loyalist. And yet today he confirmed two stories that originated with Mr Johnson's enemies. First, that in early 2020, Boris Johnson suggested he be injected with Covid on television to show how mild it was. It was a time when Covid was not seen as being the serious disease it, it subsequently became or was seen to be. It was a moment in time. It was just a, an unfortunate comment. It wasn't the only one. Inquiry lawyer Andrew O'Connor read this from Mr Lister's witness statement. You recall the PM saying in September 2020 that he would rather, quote, let the bodies pile high than impose another lockdown. And you go on to say it's an unfortunate turn of phrase. When this first emerged, Downing Street said it was a lie today, Lord Lister explained why it was said. Generally generally things were looking brighter than they had been in the first lockdown. There was a feeling that could we hold off, could we find an alternative to locking down? But the most damning evidence about just how dysfunctional government here was at the start of the pandemic came from the current head of the civil service, Simon Case. In July 2020, he had just started working again in Downing Street. He messaged his predecessor as cabinet secretary, Mark Sedwell. At this rate, I will struggle to last six months, he wrote. These people are so mad. Not poisonous towards me yet, but they are just madly self-defeating. He went on, I've never seen a bunch of people less well-equipped to run a country. And, you know, and then, it's like, it's and then you know, sadly, at the time, you know, he did end up... He did end up in intensive care, having just caught yeah. us naturally. Uh, yeah. Because he, he wouldn't but, be in the best of he no, wouldn't be in the best of physical shape. No, um, I mean a friend of mine told me once they were that Boris came when he was the mayor of London to an opening. They were opening one of their new developments in London. He was just working there, mm. and to everybody's delight, Boris, who had announced these green initiatives, arrived on his bicycle. It's like, oh my god, this is amazing! Fair play, there was a, bit of, a lot of laughter, a lot of fun. You know, Boris is like he's very genial and all of that if you have him on that superficial level. And he said, you know, he came and he made the speech and had a few glasses of wine, jumped on his bicycle, and he thought, you know, really, he's come a long distance on his bicycle, like from from the mayoralty. Like. So he just thought, could just walk after it a bit, you know. Well, Boris cycled about 50 metres north, turned right into a cul-de-sac, and his car was there. <laughs> he, he, he rounded the corner in time to see him putting the bicycle into the boot. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because there is a, a, I was you know looking back at this and you look at the direct line of the COVID inquiry clearly like COVID came along at a time just after you know the, the 2019 election the December 2019 election which was the uh, you know oven ready deal get Brexit done yeah they were uh, going to purify England they were going to just whiten England it, you know, and they were going to just get it done and he had the oven ready deal and all that kind of stuff which turned out not to be um, correct, you know, amazingly, Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson lied. And then these profoundly uh, unserious people happen, you know, and because, mm-hmm. because like Boris Johnson comes from, he is incapable of, of being serious. And in certain areas of life, that's quite a... Well, he's never had any boundaries, you see. It's, never, a, yeah. it's a bit like Alexei Seals' description of, of, of Israel. You know, they're like a, they're like the sort of the pampered teenager who's been doted upon by his parents and has turned into a psychopath as a result. And I mean, Boris had eaten, you know, Boris, you know, through through all his development, you know, has never had any boundaries. No, he hasn't. And he's... And when he was a media figure... When he was a media figure of, uh, you know, that was that was entertainment, and it was that thing where he was created. And I always remember uh, that day when when the, the London media, and it wasn't even the UK, but that, that sort of London media political class were waiting to see what what way Boris Johnson was going to con- you know vote or go on the on on Brexit, and they're waiting outside with this kind of fever. Of anticipation, and absolute he, and he, and he fever. Had written, he had written, he'd written two, both, two separate yeah. columns and brought them to Max yeah. Hastings and said, one yes, one no, which do you think I should run yeah. with? Because all, of course, he was thinking of was, what suits me what's best? What's, what's, yeah, there was no... And there was, there how, was, can, how can I make the maximum amount of money out of 
out of this? How can I become the Prime Minister? What is best for me in the long run? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I mean, you look at, you know, how venally lazy he is. Like, one of the things that's come out very clearly in the COVID inquiry, is good pal of mine in it, you know. And he said, like, the evidence about his laziness. <laughs> Just to gain that sense of entitlement. I mean, Dominic Cummings said, <laughs> and of course, Cummings viewed Boris as a traitor, you see, after he cut him loose whenever, whenever Cummings um, had to drive 150 miles with his wife and children to test his eyesight. But... Um, Cummings said that, you know, Boris was obsessed with his divorce, his financial problems, and the fact that his girlfriend wanted to finalise the announcement of their engagement. Also, he kept telling us, could we not do this because he wanted to work on his Shakespeare book, which I understand is one of the most execrable pieces of rot ever written. Well, the uh, Shakespeare book is one of the great, uh, those sort of backdrops to, um, and I, I've been following sort of full intellectual uh, stuff. Yeah, but know? I've been following that Shakespeare book for a while, even before that, because he was he was, you know, he was given this massive advance, and uh, he is essentially again like you know, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this if you if you if if that is what you are. He is just he is just a hack. These people like should be in the light entertainment industry. Well, they shouldn't be in politics. But what's be... happening now is that politics is being invaded by grifters like this who are charismatic, who 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 are prepared to say anything. These emotive things, you know, we hear what Sula Braverman says, you know, these really grotesque things that no politician should be saying. Mm-hmm. You know, that that the idea of, of, of political leaders as leaders as people who set a moral tone, who set a community tone. You know, and I, I come back to the point, you know, when I look at how civilised Ireland is and how community-oriented we are, you know, that everyone, everyone, and all these sociopaths and psychopaths and grifters and liars, you know, what they didn't have in their life was something that we've always had. Somebody to pull you aside and say, son, you're making a dick of yourself. Stop it. You're yeah. making a dick of yourself. And, and, and in that way, in that in that community, you have your safety from fascism, from, you know, all these dark forces that we see, you know, because because that sense of community and togetherness and empathy is your best guardrail against dishonesty and lies. Yeah, I find it, uh, yeah, I think there's there's something in that from an Irish point of view in, in, the, in that community and the fact that we are still... Uh, Quite a. Let me read this quote. <laughs> Lee Kane, who was who was uh, Johnson's former director of communications, he sent a, the WhatsApp messages have been absolutely dynamite. You know, very very funny. He sent a message to Cummings right at the start of March. You know, just after the, you know, when the pandemic was starting to become a, a, a reality. He said, "But the boss doesn't think the pandemic is a big deal." <laughs> He doesn't think anything can really be done. And anyway, his focus is elsewhere. <laughs> his divorce, his, his, his upcoming engagement, you know, what sort of engagement ring to pick, you know, what book he was going to write, who he was, go- who he was going to make a speech for. The boss thinks this will be like swine flu and he thinks the main danger <laughs> is talking, talking us all into a slump. <laughs> this idea, you know, that just with a bit of boyish, whoo-hoo, ha-ha, you know, that you can, you can, Persuade people that these problems aren't real, but 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 that is where Boris Johnson comes from, and this is the thing that I like. I think if if he had had his way, in some ways, he would have just bounced along like that because it would it is almost considered uh, it is considered incredibly boring. Being boring is the biggest crime. Should, in, in, in politics, in, should be boring. Being boring is the biggest crime in Boris Johnson's world, and the second biggest crime is to actually be earnest or serious yeah. uh, or to take something, to be seen to be taking something too seriously. And I think also another, an, another aspect... Or, uh, and that. also, sorry, and also finally, and, also clear, and the other thing is obeying the rules. Rules are not really yeah, for, like, like, for the... For the I mean, Robert Jenrick said today, after the, the... We're just recording this the day that the UK Supreme Court has struck down the government's, the UK government's sort of ghoulish Rwanda scheme on the basis that Rwanda is clearly not a safe 
country for asylum seekers to be processed and it offends against the ban, which is an international legal ban on any country processing asylum seekers, sending them back to the place where they, whence they came, where there's a risk to their life and all sorts of other provisos that I won't go through. And Robert Jenrick <laughs> was interviewed by Victoria Derbyshire on the BBC. And at this point again, you know, first of all, you undermine the, the, the courts, you undermine all the structures of a civic, a civic society. So um, the Tories spent last week attacking the Metropolitan Police Commissioner mm. because he refused to ban what the Tories were calling a hate march, which is like up to 400,000 people marching for peace in Gaza. And so there were serial attacks on the Metropolitan Police Commissioner. And Jenrick <laughs> was asked today after the ruling, said, well, you know, there you are now. The government has ruled your scheme unlawful. They've been very tr- the, the, the Supreme Court has been very trenchant in its criticism, albeit that it hasn't strayed into the political realm. What do you say to that? And Robert Jenrick said, I don't know what you're talking about. We won. We won today on the most important one. Victoria Derbyshire looked at him. So like, Basically, she looked at him saying, like, have you completely lost your mind? Victoria, we have won on the most important question of all. The country Mr. Jenrick, forgive me, that is incredible spin. You have not won on the main principle. You have lost all five justices, ruled it was unlawful because it was not safe to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. That is a demolition of your Rwanda policy. No, I mean, Victoria, I'm afraid that's not a correct reading of what's happened. And this is the new reality. Mm. People who peddle lies and propaganda, who are continually now trying to undermine the organs of the state. We saw how that ended up in America. And that process is continuing in America now. I mean, just this week, a city in, I think it, it was in Texas, was it in Texas? Murfsboro in Tennessee, a city in Tennessee, has banned, this is, wait for this, being gay in public. It has passed a legal, legally binding ordinance, right, saying, decreeing that acts of being homosexual will in future be considered sexual conduct and may no longer be seen in public. Yeah. So it's, it's now against the law in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to hold your partner's hand and walk around or to publicly express any affection to him, which is the sort of thing that we see in some of these, um, you know, um, Islamic countries mm. in the world, you know, where homosexuals have been stoned, you know, the sort of Saudi Arabias, et cetera, et cetera, and which have always been criticized. And, and once the instruments of law start to be subjugated, to people's personal careers and ambitions, you know, uh, you're 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 beginning to enter a very very disdain, dangerous dystopian world, and we see this in Ireland, for example, where, you know, I would have thought that probably well up in the ninety five six seven percent of Irish people want a ceasefire in Gaza, mm. you know, and they want the government to do that, they want the government to refer Israel to the international court, all of that, and yet, and yet, you know, and the Greens must be you know, the most lacking of integrity of any of the political parties because all of the things that they are supposed to be, the way they have behaved, you know, with such breathtaking hypocrisy, you know, they wouldn't even vote for that. They wouldn't vote for the ambassador to be expelled, the Israeli ambassador. You know, these really odious, ruthless people who are are championing, championing genocide and who, in my view are prima facie guilty of war crimes. You know, and not just in my view, but in the view of many, many eminent legal experts. And, and so the, 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 the COVID inquiry for me has been, I know it's funny and we have a great laugh at it, but it's, it illustrates a very, very dangerous dystopia that's occurring. I mean, for example, Cummings said, <laughs> I apologize for laughing, and particularly listeners who have been you know, deprived of loved ones as a result of COVID, you know, who have lost, you know, their, 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 their parents or, you know, partners. And 
know that it had devastated a lot of a lot of lives and a lot of families. So I don't mean to be trivial about it. Well, Cummings said, "Look, the boss is <laughs> the boss is melting down. The boss is melting down. He's gone back into Jaws mode." Which was a reference so to the mayor. the mayor in the 1970s film who kept the beaches open despite the shark attacks. And it was only after the chief medical advisor said, look, to him. And, and Cummings said, look, this is the way you had to speak to Boris. You had to speak to him in this dramatic sort of cinematic language to get him to pay attention. He said, Mr. Prime Minister, this is going to be like a zombie apocalypse film. And you will be responsible for this. And it was only then that he decided, okay, look, we better, we better, we better lock down to begin with. We see, and that again, once you could somehow penetrate, that it was going to have consequences for, for him. him. For him, it's like Trump. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I can't remember who it was that said one of us was said like the way to handle Trump. Roger Stone it was the way to handle Trump is either to flatter him, or to say this is not going to play well for you. Yeah, big guy, you know. Um, and once it affected him. Because that's the only thing that that people like this narcissist like Boris mm. and Trump understand. Once it affects him directly, now, now I'm listening. Yeah. Now I'm listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah, you know. Um, but it is like, you know, the one point I wanted to come back to there is when you talk about the community and... Uh, Ireland and, and and that kind of thing, and I, I you don't want to, I never want to go down a road too much of Irish exceptionalism. But the thing about England is that we are exceptional. Well, we have, a, we have an exceptional, exceptional community. Well, we we are such we, good people. I, such a, I mean, I, I love this country. Like every day that I've been in Dublin, work and everywhere I go, all over the country. Like I was in Newry Bosco for their 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 sixtieth anniversary celebration. A wonderful GA club mm. in Newry. What a night! Just a life affirming night and. But you know, what, what people, I mean by people who care for idea, each other yeah. and who, you know, and I mean, I see it in what you, you know, what you do with your son and the soccer club and all the volunteers and all the things that we do together mm. in and out of school in Ireland. That that means that we know each other and and, and that gives us that priceless thing, empathy. So now, that we can put yeah. ourselves into other human beings' shoes and say, look, hold on a second. This is, this is not acceptable. But Whereas in England now, yeah. you can't even go to Peace March without the Home Secretary and the top team, including Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, who himself is of Indian extraction, encouraging, encouraging the, the far right, the English Defence mm. League, and of course, you know, I mean, no hate march would be complete without, without the Orange Order popping up in the middle of it and playing no Pope here, which they did at the Cenotaph. You know, yeah. now, you know 150 people, have been arrested for public order offences around the attack on the Cenotaph, the attacks on the mm -hmm. police, you know. And in the middle of that, you've got the blinking orange band playing. But, but Joe, Up dirties and fade and blood surrender Joe, or you'll die for we are the Billy Billy boys. But you see, the point about that is... That and, I, and all of that, all of that, that's applauded. And then you've got the Home Secretary not not saying anything about all of that. But, look, but look, they're deliberately harnessing these dark forces and encouraging them. No, I don't. There's no. There's no doubt about that. Um, the the debate and the question is, 
whether they're actually what they're trying to unleash or whether they there how much support there is because I know England very well. I lived there. I lived in London for twenty years. I know the communities. I know the amount of of places around England where there is the same community spirit. Yeah. I know, like where my my wife's parents live, that there's a there's a community spirit in the in places like that. And if you go back to something like COVID, oh, yeah, that they that people don't, don't look me, people looked wrong. out for each other and don't would look get, out don't for get you. Me wrong. No, no, I know that. That's not, but you know, I'm talking about the general. No. I'm talking about the general thrust. Look, no, the general. No, no, I agree with you. Brexit was was carried through but, basically on the basis in the working class areas of the north. You know. Well, get the fucking blacks out. You know, we'll return Britain to Britain and it'll be pure and it'll be a land of milk and honey. About none of these fucking well, black people coming in and Asian people coming in and taking our jobs. Those Eastern Europeans. But, but, that but, was but, what but you know were, the point yeah, yeah. I'm making. And there was Nigel really, Farage posing in front of, of the... Uh, like when Nigel Farage yeah. is a superstar of politics in Ireland, it's time to leave. No, it is. And, and there is, again... He'd get a slap look, here. Look, He'd get a slap. You, you see it with... You see that fact... You see that... Um, descent into entertainment and the fact that Nigel Farage is now on uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And, uh, being paid, well, there you are, there you are, you know. Being paid, more than, um, being paid more than anybody ever, I think, to go on that show. Even, even, and, even and more than the porn star. But they're also being, he's also being mentioned, this is the interesting thing, is he will be the candidate for, like, and we're going to come to Sweller Braverman again, but she, like, she hopes to be the leader of the Tory party leading from the right. But there is, you know, there is a, a strong suggestion that the person she will have to fend off is Nigel Farage, who will, who will, who will be stalking that vote. And the point about this is, and you're right, that like now the Brexit vote didn't happen uh, in isolation. Like this is, the, and the point of it, and we will come, we will come to him as well. We will come to the the man returning on his white horse to save Britain, David Cameron, Jesus. who uh, who started this. Uh, mess in the first place but um was he not the boy was he not the boy who had sex with he, a pig no that never happened that was that was that was just a great sunday night rumor on twitter was it? well it was in a book it was in a book by uh let's not get back this is, we're going to go back <laughs> to amsterdam and the magic he's mushrooms there he's uh, he, do, he doesn't discriminate against animals um but they the the point is about what has happened, and you talk about the Brexit vote, and it's true, like that it it, it unleashed. It was also it was also a, a too simplistic an idea. It was just you know anyone with any bit of sense would have known that a referendum with a simple question like that was just going to end in 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 misery. It was going to end in in people being allowed to, to protest against whatever they wanted to protest about. And all these places, and you see it, you see Cameron and George Osborne, who were the architects of austerity, which, um, which had more to do with the Brexit vote than anything else. All these northern towns, and again, I've talked about this before in this podcast, I used to go, because of when I was living in England and I was going to, f- to football grounds across England, and you'd go to places like Hull, You'd go to places like that, and again, wonderful communities, but with the with the heart ripped out of them, just with, had, the, with had, everything they, ripped out of them. They had the piss taken out of them, and and the depopulated uh, places. And then they lie about it. They say, "Look, we've never pumped more money into welfare. We've never pumped more money into hospitals. We're building forty-eight hospitals. Not these are all imaginary hospitals." But if you keep saying these things, a bit like America, eventually you create a parallel world where people then become conditioned by propaganda and react to sound bites. It's a bit like training a dog. You train a dog to respond angrily to certain things. You know, if you're training a dog, for example, a police dog, to certain commands. You, know, you get to the stage like, like that you have in America now where there are certain things, you can't say them. Once you're in company and you discover X is, is, is a Republican or Y is a Democrat, you don't get into that then. You can't say that anymore because now you say that it's anger and emotion immediately. You know, and that's precisely what's happening in England now. I mean, the hate, the hate that was evinced by the, the far right. I mean, the, the, ch- the leader of the English Defence League was allowed to lay a wreath on the cenotaph. <laughs> and you just said, I'm like, you know, there's, there's Suella the racist, right? So there's Su- Suella the racist. It's unbel- I mean, I, it's the most unbelievable concept. A, a woman whose two parents would have been denied entry to England under her current asylum scheme, whose two parents would have been denied. 
And like one of the most rabid purveyors of this hatred, you know, of course, for her own purposes, for her own grift, she'll make a lot of money. She'll go on the speaking circuit. You know, the far right lover, they'll introduce her as the previous Home Secretary who was betrayed, who was betrayed by Rishi Sunak. You know, and, you know, the, 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 that's why I think the COVID inquiry has has given you such an insight. I mean, the, the Boris Johnson's nickname was the trolley, and he was called the trolley because <laughs> he, he, could, he couldn't sustain decision-making over any period of time <laughs> and, and was constantly unpicking things, <laughs> right? Having made the decision the day before, he would promptly reverse himself, you know. And, I mean, there you've got Cummings, you know, describing you know, one minister as a useless fuck pig, a moron, and the 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 the, the Tory cabinet as useless cunts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very interesting to hear in the in the inquiry, you know, the the QC, who's very relaxed, you know, very matter of fact saying, and can I refer you to the WhatsApp of the the fifth of March, twenty twenty two? Yes, and can I show the witness? Yes, now. You said that ministers were useless fuck pigs, morons, and cunts. Um, was that your considered opinion of those? <laughs> because, because, well, you know, they lack capacity. You know, you know, blah 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 blah. Did you treat individuals in Downing Street with offence and misogyny, Mr. Cummings? Certainly not. You say this at twelve twenty. If I have to come back to Helen's bullshit with PET, was that propriety and ethics? Yes. Part of the cabinet office, or number 10. Designed to waste huge amounts of my time so I can't spend it on other stuff, I'll personally handcuff her and escort her from the building. Had you got form, Mr Cummings, for arranging for people to be escorted from number 10 before? Uh, you shouldn't believe everything you read in the newspapers. Uh, that story is not accurate. I don't care how it's done, but that woman must be out of our hair. We cannot keep dealing with this horrific meltdown of the British state while dodging stilettos from that. Useless fuck pigs in charge. They think that a vast amount of the chaotic news on the front pages is coming from number 10, when in fact it's coming from the cabinet who are feral and so on. And then in the last paragraph, I also must stress, I think, leaving Hancock in post is a big mistake. He's a proven liar who nobody believes or should believe on anything. And we face going into autumn crisis with the cunt still in charge of the NHS. And, you know, the, 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 what they were doing, essentially, and what the Tories do is essentially they're a PR department. We see this with Keir Stammer and Labour now. Instead of doing the dull nuts, nuts and bolts business of improving society, doing government for the good of the people. What they're doing is they're doing government for the good of themselves and they're therefore resorting to a PR plan. This, everything's about how you present it. I mean, he, he Miss McNamara, who was the, um, she was an official, she was the cabinet secretary, the deputy cabinet secretary. And uh, she described, you know, going into the prime minister's stu- study and Cummings is sitting with other senior officials, and she said to them, look, we're absolutely fucked. This country is heading for a disaster. We're going to kill thousands of people. Now, what they ended up doing, they killed hundreds of thousands of people, you know. And the the Prime Minister, Mr. Johnson's principal private secretary, Mark Reynolds, said he would decide on a course of action within hours or days, sometimes even minutes. (laughs) He would... He would take a country position, you know, and then be bewildered when you pointed out that it was a country position, you know, and be, and be insistent, though, that he hadn't, hadn't changed his mind at all. You know, it must be like, you know, it'd be like having a, a schizophrenic uh, as, as the prime minister. I mean, Hancock, I think that some of the most, you know, and, and I think deservedly so, because he is, I mean, he is a, a complete charlatan, Hancock. You know, we've seen, I think he was in that, I'm a celebrity, get me out of mm. here as well. You know, we're ducking his hand into buckets of rats and stuff, you know, Christ of Almighty. I mean, this is, this, these are the leaders of what, was, what used to be described as Great Britain, you know. Uh, Miss McNamara said that Hancock, <laughs> this is one of my favourite ones, Dion, had absolutely nuclear levels of confidence 
And she described one particularly what she described as a jarring encounter after she expressed her sympathy that his job amid COVID must be very tough. To the contrary, he said, I am loving the responsibility. And to demonstrate this, he took up a batsman's stance outside the cabinet room and said, they bowl them at me and I knock them out of the park. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he, I mean, Hancock is described in the, in the, the, the inquiry as, as, as a simply pathological liar. You know, McNamara said that he regularly told us things which we later discovered. We're not, we're not true, and we're not true in the slightest. Not even, not even just not true, but not, not, uh, not true in the slightest. And uh, I mean, Cummings, meanwhile, was having a field day with Hancock. You know, he was WhatsApping and he, this man is a, a proven liar, a problem leaker, and of course, like the finales to all his texts, I come to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of Cummings? Because in the middle of it all, he is. There's something that that sense of him just speaking, but he, you know, it's totally unvarnished. Like, and there is a there's a kind of intellect there which there isn't. Cummings would, you know, I think Cummings is clever and devious and strategic. He would be absolutely brilliant in the Israeli cabinet at the moment. You know, genuinely, he'd be great at that. Because he has no compassion of any kind and no empathy, he's a workhorse. You know, he will he will design strategy. I mean, it was one of the problems was that it was impossible. I think that it's clear from you know what we're seeing in the inquiry. It was just impossible to design a strategy for Boris mm. because Boris, you know, was was simply a, 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 an emotional child who who was swayed according to only. What, what was right for him, you know? I mean, we see, like, yeah. here's, here's, here's how, how, how devastatingly sociopathic they are, that, that, or that cabinet was, that McNamara, she, she talked about, you know, the unbelievably bullish approach to, 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 the, to the coronavirus by Boris and his cabinet, you know, and, she said that ministers used to sit, quote, laughing at the Italians. Remember the early hmm. grisly pictures coming out of Italy, you know, on all the news channels of the bodies building up, the morgues yeah. overflowing. She said they used to sit watching the news in the cabinet room, laughing, laughing at the Italians as the virus ripped through Italy. She said <laughs> Johnson was, was saying, I'm confident. I'm confident old Blighty will sail through this. I'm confident. And, and she said that my injections of caution <laughs> were completely were completely ignored. And you know, like the 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 the, the horrifying thing about it all was as the former chief scientist Sir Patrick Valance described them, you know, he said like these bonkers sets of exchanges that I used to have with the Prime Minister. He was obsessed with just letting older people die and let the young people get on with life. I mean, and, and he actually wrote, he wrote this down so that it would be written and sent and so there'd be a note of this. Mr. Johnson thinks the whole thing is pathetic and COVID is just nature's way of dealing with old people. Uh, this is a WhatsApp between you and the Prime Minister. Um, he says, I must say I've been slightly rocked by some of the data on COVID fatalities. The median age is 82 to 81 for men, 85 for women. That's above life expectancy. Uh, so get COVID and live longer. Hardly anyone under 60 goes into hospital. I no longer buy all this NHS overwhelmed stuff. Now, Patrick Valence has recorded that the PM WhatsApp group kicks off. PM had read about the uh, infection fatality rate. He's obsessed with older people accepting their fate and letting the young get on with life and the economy going. Quite a bonkers set of exchanges. His party thinks the whole thing is pathetic and COVID is just nature's way of dealing with old people. The chief whip says, I think we should let the old people get it and protect others. PM says, a lot of my backbenchers think that, and I must say, I agree with them. Oh, no. no let, 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 look, look, let them die. It's natural selection. Let the bodies pile high, that's what he said. Yeah, um, and, 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 and that, you know, is, is the antithesis of, of leadership. 
you know, it's the opposite of the human condition, which is empathy and selflessness and, and, and devotion to duty. And, you know, it, in, in Ireland, you know, I think that we have some bulwarks. You know, Sinn Féin are coming through now, a very much grassroots community-based movement, you know, very strong north and south. Um, they appear to me so far to be on the right side of things. You know, the things that, 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 that we think are moral and correct and, 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 and that require to be done in society. And, of course, the big test will be, once power comes along, will they become infected by the same disease that, that, that is roving around the planet? You know, I well, mean, yeah, we, I we, we have been remarkably unaffected by that, to yeah. be fair, in Ireland. No, we have, but like, uh, like we might and, just I, and I say it's because of the ties between our people and the, like, we don't, the only loonies at the moment are the, that very small loony movement. You've got the sort of the Iona Institute, mm-hmm. you've got those three or four senators, you've got, you know, the, the, the small number of hate marchers, you know, talking mm-hmm. about placement theory, you know, mm-hmm. the anti-Semitism, wearing, mm-hmm. the, wearing the Nazi overcoats. But in the main... Irish people think that's fucking embarrassing. Like, no, I know, and now, we a, might disagree. We, we might we might disagree a bit on uh, on Sinn Fein being on the right side of everything, but I think. But that's because you're posh, and <laughs> you've listened, <laughs> and you've listened. To, you've been affected by all the propaganda. It's not. It's because I just don't believe in nationalism. I was on the back, Boris, and then I got sly. I endorsed a promise on the side of a bus, but it was a lie. What now? now Boris has it in the bag And I know why Why? Because I got high Because I got high Because I got high Check it out When I was just a secretary I would put you inside uh, Yeah What for, man? For class A drug possession Or intent to supply Yeah Ah uh, uh. And now they're saying I'm a hypocrite And I know why Why, man? Because I got high, uh-huh. because I got high, Ooh. because I got high. I was gonna make us leave the EU. Yeah. I was the guy. I was gonna lead your country to when Theresa resigned. Well, potentially, yes, potentially. Now they sacked me off, and I know why. Why? Because I got high, because I got high, because I got high. <laughs> 